I'm going to be preaching this morning from Psalm 147, verses 1 through 20. I want to spend the, the bulk of our time, however, at the front of these verses in 1 through 6. I titled the sermon, Master of Stars and Mender of Hearts. Let's begin in verses 1 through 6, and this is how I summed up these verses. This statement, God's praise fits him perfectly. God's praise fits him perfectly. I think this is a, a good way to, to think of when we praise him like we have just finished doing, right? In song, with words rich and true, that fits the Lord like a perfect coat. Just, it's like a garment of praise, and it is a perfect fit every time. Listen to these verses as the psalmist writes for us. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God. It is pleasant, and a song of praise is fitting. It's fitting. It is due Him. He begins with this command, and so often we, we fail to remember this is a command. It's a command to God's people to praise Him. It's a command from God through the psalmist to us to praise Him. So, interestingly enough, if, if any one of us were to command the, the, the congregation here, you know, praise me, praise me, we would all find it distasteful. Not fitting, not okay, but when God commands this, it's good, and it fits because He is worthy. He is worthy. So, Hallel Uhyah, praise Yahweh, capital L-O-R-D. He is a covenant God, the God of love, who has ransomed us from sin through the blood of Jesus Christ, the promised Messiah. He loves us, and we praise Him. Three descriptions here. It's good to do this. It's good. It's right. right. He deserves this praise. It's his due because he is infinitely worthy. It's also pleasant. It is, there's, there's few things that are as satisfying as praising the Lord. In fact, what we find is uh, God's desire to be glorified and, and our desire to be satisfied go hand in hand, don't they? When we seek his glory, we find our greatest satisfaction. And it's fitting. It is fitting. He is worthy of the worship of everyone, everywhere, all the time. That's how worthy he is. Now, a lot of times when you see a call to worship like that, reasons are given. And so the psalmist has this in view, and he's going to give us some reasons. Why should we praise the Lord? Well, it's good, it's pleasant, and it's fitting, but here's more reasons. He says, the Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted, and he binds up their wounds. The context of this psalm most scholars believe that this was written as uh, the exiles were returning from captivity in Babylon for 70 years. They were returning to Jerusalem and beginning the work of rebuilding the city. And the psalmist says, listen, the Lord builds up Jerusalem. Look at what he's done. He's brought us back from this horrible, horrible captivity and exile. He gathers us back in. It's like the Lord is saying, come on. Come back. Come home. Come home. Look to me again. Don't forget why you were in exile in the first place. Look to me. Watch me what, do what I do. And he, he, sa he says he, he heals broken hearts. 
and he binds up their wounds. It speaks to the kindness and care of God. And sometimes on Thanksgiving, uh, I've talked to people who say, you know, th- this is one of the more stressful events of my life every year. It's the gathering of dysfunction. And uh, we, we get together, and there's all these family members with all of these issues, and, and things are awkward and difficult. Sometimes things go horribly wrong. And the nerves and the stress, and, and oh, I struggle to give thanks. That's a real issue, isn't it? It can be a real challenge. Sometimes what we need is the Lord to just be close, close to us, to bind up our hearts, to look to Him in this way. But how is it possible that a God so big with so many things going could be here right now, right? So close. A God that would be so imminent, so, so, so close that he knows your heart, he knows what you need, and he cares enough to, to, to heal you and help you and bind up your wounds. So just think of, of him like a doctor taking care of you. He's, he's there. He's close. Think of all these exiles, all of their aches and pains, hurts, the weight spiritually that they were feeling, the, the sadness and their return. Think even in a congregation like this. All of the range of challenges that have come here, even to this room right here. Health issues abound across this room. The weight of soul is real. There are some real heavy, weighty life issues that are taking place even just right here in this room in the, in, among the people gathered here. God is close. He is close to the brokenhearted. He heals those who are cast down. He, he is the lifter of our heads. What a great encouragement that is. Sometimes Thanksgiving is hard work, but it's worth the work because we find that God is worthy of praise because He meets us when we are struggling and He is there. Sometimes when we're struggling, we actually begin to ask questions like this. Does he really see me? Is he able to know my heart? I mean, he's so big and there's so many people around the world. Think of all the other problems that people have. Mine seems so small and insignificant. Can he really help me? Is he really the person I should look to to help with this situation? Is he able? Is he willing? Sometimes in our deepest, darkest moments, the enemy will whisper these kinds of temptations of doubt. He will speak lies. You know, he doesn't see you. He can't help you. He can't really know all of the people and all of their struggles. It's too much. Lest we ever, ever incline toward this place when we are cast down, when we are struggling, when we have broken hearts, the psalmist wants to put at the very next verse an encouragement for us. Listen to what he says. Basically, he's saying, look up, look up. God determines uh, the, the number of the stars. He gives to them, uh, to all of them, their names. 
Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble and he casts the wicked to the ground. He lifts up the humble, the broken, the contrite in spirit. He's, he's there lifting them up. Oh, who is it? It's the God of all of the stars, the master of the stars, the one who, who numbers them and not just numbers them like counting. He made them. Oh, and he names all of them. They all have names. So when you're struggling, it's good to look up. It is the, the work of God that ministers his grace to us in his revelation of himself in what he has made. And this is not new for us, but friends, we have access to knowledge and, and a window into the deep space experience like never before. So what the, the psalmist saw when he laid on his back and there were no lights and he just looked up in the heavens, we, we see far more now. But how often have you been having the experience of the psalmist? Just out in the, the open woods, right? In the dark, laying and looking up and counting the stars and an amazing experience. So this morning, let's do that. Let's start here. Home. This is home. This is where we are, friends. The earth is 24,901.55 miles in diameter. If you were to fly at 500 miles an hour, it would take you 50 hours to circle the earth, okay? It's a relatively decent-sized planet. It's not huge, but it's not too small. It's, it's spectacular. The glory of what God has done on planet earth alone is enough to fill volumes, as the Science Channel and many others have done. I love watching those nature shows because it's, it's God's fingerprints. Now, they won't say that most of the time. They don't know who to blame for all of this gorgeous beauty, but we do, don't we? Now, let's just hold it up in comparison. We're going to second and third grade. You guys remember this? The little styrofoam balls, my favorite project. We've got the Earth. Here's Venus, Mars, Mercury, Pluto. By the way, it's a planet again, thankfully. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, we're pretty, we're, that's a pretty good-sized planet. But then you compare and you pull out a little bit and you realize, wow, Jupiter, look at that. It is huge. The Earth is beginning to get smaller and smaller. And you realize this compared to this is, wow, we're not as big as we as we thought. Well, and then you pull out a little farther, and you realize our sun is massive. That sun that was lighting up the morning sky, that the Lord lit ablaze and spoke into being with a word, right? He put it there, and it obeys him. That's God's sun, and it's huge. But amazingly enough, we refer to it as a, a yellow dwarf. Officially, it's, it's, it's called a, a dwarf star. So, look at Earth, okay? We, we thought we were big. We're, we're just a dot down here. You can barely see Pluto. Look at how big that is. In fact, if you uh, do a little math here, we're 93 million miles from the, uh, from the sun as we stand here. Sunlight takes eight minutes to reach the Earth. If you were to take the Earth and cram it inside the space of the sun, you know how many you could fit? 1.3 million Earths could fit inside the volume of our sun. Now, 
We're feeling a little small, aren't we? That's pretty amazing. But it's incredible that we call our son a dwarf. So then we've got to ask the question, if our son is a dwarf, not my son. (laughs) You're not a dwarf. We all know this. But the sun in the sky is referred to as a dwarf. So, well, how big is our sun then? Let's look at it. Our sun is right here. It's a dwarf compared to Sirius and Pollux and Arcturus. Look how big that is. Now, these are stars in our sky, okay? You can see these stars. This one especially is one of the brighter stars, spectacular star. But how big is Arcturus when you compare it to this one, this one, Betelgeuse, and Antares. Look at our sun over here. Now, it's a dot. The earth doesn't even register on a scale that big. It's, it's like dust on a scale. <sighs> Planet earth. God has made massive, massive spheres of fire to light his glory to our eyes. As we behold the heavens. We're feeling small. Antares is 500 light years away. We're we're now, we're having to measure distance in light years. More on that in a second. 512 million suns would fit inside of the space of Antares. 665 trillion earths could fit inside Antares. I said trillion here. Think of how big our planet is and then multiply that by that number. The math becomes beyond calculation. Almost. But we're still going. If you look at Antares, you've realized it's not actually the largest star in our sky. It gets bigger from there up to VV Cephei, which is, according to the current study that I found this week, one of the largest stars that they have spotted and been able to study, you could put one billion of our suns or 1.2 quadrillion Earths inside of this one star, the space that it takes up. Spectacular. Yes, we're in, we're in the quadrillions. But here's the thing. That's big, but it gets bigger. We haven't talked about galaxies. Let's consider our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy, Estimates keep going up as the science improves, and the Hubble telescope has helped us a lot, but even there, they're still saying, oh, we we guessed way too small. They used to say 100 billion stars in our Milky Way galaxy. Now it's 200 to 400 billion. The speed of light travels at 186,282 miles per second. If you were to start going light speed at one end of our Milky Way, it would take you 100,000 light years to travel across our, our Milky Way, our galaxy. Oh, and here's our solar system. It's somewhere just way tiny right down in there. We're feeling small. This is God's fingertips. He, he, he flinged out the stars placed everyone. This is his Milky Way. I wonder what he calls it. I always think of a candy bar. (laughs) Spectacular. Now, there are many other galaxies. What we find is ours isn't the only galaxy. It would be pretty amazing if it was because it's huge, but it's, it's, it's bigger than this. Here's the Whirlpool Galaxy, one of the most beautiful 
23 million light years away from Earth, and this is not as big as the Milky Way, but this is a very um, robust galaxy, and it is giving birth to a new star every second, okay? So think of this, these verses. Um, he, he determines the number of stars, and he gives to them all of their names. New star, new star, new star, new star. Place it, name it. Who did it? He's not watching. He's doing. God is not a passive observer of his universe. He is one who, who makes, sustains, upholds all things. And in Christ, the Son, it is Christ himself who is preeminent. They hold together in him. Stars we will, most of us, never ever see in this life. Now, the largest galaxy that I could find, most recent study from the Hubble, is referred to as IC1101. See, we run out of names. There's no way we could name the stars. We can't even name the galaxies. There's too many. This, they believe, has upwards of 100 trillion stars in one galaxy. Think of this. It's 600, uh, six, 6 million light years across. 6 million... Just think of how far that is. Six million light years. God did that. God does that. That's his galaxy. Now, how many galaxies are there? The numbers keep going up. This is spectacular. Years ago, uh, early on in the Hubble work, uh, they left it on and they pointed it to a black, just a place of black in space, and they thought, let's just see what's out there. And the exposure ran and ran and ran, and finally they got a picture back, and this is what they found. These are all galaxies. Look, there's a spiral. There's one, there's one, there's one, there's one, there's one. There, 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 everywhere. That is the tiniest little spot of deep space study. And then they began to count in that little square how many galaxies are in view just what we can see with that telescope. And they started doing the math. The math is now uh, very imprecise. <laughs> Look at the range here. Somewhere between 200 billion galaxies, not stars, galaxies, up to 2 trillion, possibly. That's God's work. He's there. He fills the space that he creates, his omnipresence. He is there in his fullness, in his power. These stars exist to glorify him, and they do so perfectly, by the way. They obey his word. It's easy to, to see why when you stare up at the heavens, why the psalmist in Psalm 8 concluded this, when I look at your heavens and, and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him? Care, care for him. Who are we? We are less than dust, Isaiah says. On the scale, we're less than dust. We are so small, so small, friends, and yet he comes close and heals those 
who have a broken heart. And he binds up their wounds. We have every reason to praise the Lord when we consider how huge he is. He is transcendent above everything else. He is so gigantic, it blows our minds to even consider. The heavens, the universe itself, is just an echo of his excellence. He's bigger. But his glory is also in his imminence, in his closeness to us right here. Here he is, okay? Third row, good shepherd. Left side, there's Kevin. I know him. God knows Kevin. He knows all of his life. He knows his heart. He knows his joys, his struggles. He knows everything about Kevin. And he loves him. While he's flinging stars out every second and naming them, he is big enough to do all of this. Praise the Lord. He is, friends, powerfully close. Don't ever, ever, ever think that there's just too much on his plate. <laughs> God has never been at a loss. Oh man, didn't see that coming. What am I going to do? Uh, I just spun up another trillion galaxies, but I just can't figure out how to help you out. He is infinite in power. His wisdom has no end. His heart is for those who love him. And he, he has a special focus on those who come to him humbly. He delights to lift them up and help them. He is opposed to the wicked. He will cast them down. God is powerfully close. And so we can say, yes, it does fit him perfectly, his praise. When we praise Him, it fits Him perfectly. In fact, we need forever to do it because that's how much He is worthy of our praise. And we will, friends, forever. Through Jesus Christ, we have forever to praise Him and delight in Him and be in awe of Him and all that He does. Now let's move on. Verses 7 through 11, our hearts and our songs, our hearts and our songs Sing to the Lord. Emphasis on the word sing. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. There's, there's our goal today, right? Sing to Him with your thankfulness. Make melody. Play music to God on the guitar, the lyre, the drums, the, the keys. Make joyful noise to Him for He covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on the hills. He gives to the beasts their food and to the young ravens that cry. God is so good. Think of all that he does. If he does that for his creation, for, for the animals, consider those who carry his image. Consider those for whom Christ has redeemed and ransomed from their sins. Every day he is there with you, for you, working, helping, To say he is our God <laughs> is mind-blowing. To say that we are his people, the sheep of his pasture, who, who are we? We are blessed beyond measure. So sing to him. 
You could say it this way, God delights in the expression of our gratitude. He, he delights when we express our praise. In fact, you could say it this way, that until our praise is expressed, it is incomplete. It's one of the reasons we like to sing. Because our joy in God, our delight in God is not fully realized until we express it as he wired us up to do in praise to him to sing a song of praise to play with with joy in our hearts and make music to our god we will sing forever and we're just getting warmed up here there are few things that are more satisfying than gathering with god's people and singing to him singing his praise to him. We delight in you, oh great God. And then he goes on, his delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man, but the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. Now, wait a second. I thought the Lord made the, the horse strong and, and the, the warrior's legs swift. Doesn't he find delight in those things that he has made? Absolutely, he does. In fact, in Job, he brags about it. The war horse, can you stand against the presence of the war horse? <laughs> war horses are terrifying if they're trained. In fact, some of those horses were trained in battle to jump and kick and, and take troops out and do all kinds of things. And the swiftness of a, of a warrior is impressive. But don't set your hope there. Right? Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we, what do we put our trust in? The name of the Lord our God. Look at the horse and say, wow, the creator who made that horse is sure something. Put your trust in the one that made the, the legs of man to be swift in battle. Look to him, look to him. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those who hope in his steadfast love. His loyal, counted-upon love. So you could say God delights in our dependence and trust in Him. Even when we're struggling, even when it's hard, run to Him. Cling to Him. Cry out to Him, right? When you're reeling and your heart is broken and things are heavy and you don't know where to turn, you do know where to turn. Run to Him. He delights in our dependence. Why? Because he's good. Because he's able to help. And he loves to, to deliver. Why? I mean, go to the next step. Why? Because his love for us is complete. And when we praise him, he is glorified. Everything that God does, he does to glorify himself. Everything. He has never done anything except for his glory. And that is the most amazing thing for us because the glory of God for our souls to behold is the most satisfying thing we could ever experience. God loves to glorify himself. We glorify him when we trust in him. Mm, for the sake of your name, for the sake of your name, for the sake of your glory right? In the ages to come, to show the incredible kindness of Christ to his people, to the praise and glory of the Father. 
Now His power and His love, verses 12 through 20. His power and His love. There's just a, a, a shotgun blast of truth here that just is spectacular. Listen to these verses. Praise the Lord. Hallel Yahweh. O Jerusalem, praise your God, O Zion. He strengthens the bars of your gates. What is that? He's a protector. He's a protector. He protects us. He blesses your children within you. What does this mean? Oh, Psalm 139, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. He knits together. He is in the places you can't even see. He's working. He's blessing. He's able. He makes peace in your borders. He brings unity to his people. He causes them to, to love one another. That is the work of God. As we see our church growing, praise God for unity and joy. The family of God, that's his doing. It's his work. He sends out his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. He gives snow like wool. He scatters the, scatters the hoarfrost like ashes. He hurls down his crystals of ice like crumbs. Who can stand, I love this, before his cold? What is this? This is the sovereignty of God. His work in all of creation. He is not a God who does his work and then stands off and just watches it take place. That's the God of deism, a distant God, a God who doesn't care, who's not involved. God is still holding it together. He is close. He is in it, in its fullness. There are no rogue molecules in the universe. God is sovereign. I like going into a, a room with the sunlight coming through the windows and seeing the dust floating through the air and reminding my soul every particle of dust is guided by his hand. That's his level of involvement. So from the smallest to the greatest, let them preach to your soul a sermon. He is able. He is active. He is at work. Who could stand before his cold? He sends out his word and melts them. He makes his wind blow and the waters flow. Doing what? Nourishing the earth, providing food. He's our provider, friends. He's our provider. Hmm. And then he says this. He declares his word to Jacob. And when you see Jacob, you think heel grabber, the undeserving one, the swindler. He, Jacob was a sinner but so are we. And he declares his word to us this morning. We have his word laid open. We have his spirit here to open our eyes to his word. Praise God for this. He has revealed himself in creation and he has revealed himself in his holy word. And he has revealed himself in his son, the word made flesh. His statutes and rules he's made clear to Israel. He has not dealt with us, uh, uh, he has not dealt thus with any other nation. They do not know his rules. At this time when the psalm was written, the psalmist understood how significant it was that God had chosen to set his covenant love on Israel. And here we are today, grafted in by his grace. Who are we? We're the Gentiles, most of us, right? We have no, no right 
But who has ever had a right? It is God's initiative to say, I choose you, I bless you, I love you, I make you my own. Now I'm going to teach you how to live and trust me and praise me forever. Spectacular. It's a privilege, friends, and it's not a right. None of us have this right. We have been brought in of grace to know him. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So we could sum it up this way. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? Oh, man. If you ever doubt that he is able, look to the heavens. Or go the other direction. Look to the dust that floats around in the light. He is able. And he cares. He is kind and loving. This is our God, friends. The God to whom we give thanks today. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, you have given us a glimpse this morning into your greatness. We, we have realized how absolutely small and tiny we are in this small little part of the hemisphere and in a small planet in this United States up in the corner of Washington in, a, in an insignificant city in the northwest corner. Here we are, Lord. We're in Bellingham. In a small church, here we are together. And here you are with us. Oh, thank you. Thank you for your greatness and thank you for your love. Thank you for your transcendence and for your imminence. Thank you for being bigger than we could ever even fathom. And thank you for being closer than we could ever imagine. We thank you, Lord, for the way that you handle our hearts. You are so kind. You are so good. You are so gracious. You are patient with us. Oh, Lord, you're patient. You are wise. You are all-powerful. You are sovereign. And you are filled with mercy and grace. Lord, we worship you in all that you are. We pray that you would stir our hearts to your praise as we continue our service to make much of you in the congregation, Lord, to speak of your glory among your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.